Hey everybody, it's Pastor Mike, and I want to say thank you for joining us today at LifePoint Church. We believe Sundays are an opportunity for you to know God. We also believe small groups, the best thing we do, are your opportunity to find freedom. For more information, including locations, service times, which small groups to participate in, please visit our website at lifepointchurch.tv. My prayer for you as you listen to our message today is to encourage you and to help you take your next step to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus. Let's jump right into the message. Amen. Today we're making a stop and we're visiting the core value of pursue excellence. Can we all say that together? Say pursue excellence. Pursue excellence. Oh, we got to do a little bit better than that. Come on. On three. Ready? One, two, three. Pursue Let's go. That's what I'm talking about. We're pursuing excellence. And as you can see on the screen, uh, Pursue Excellence is the name of our title or the title of today's message. And I just want to give a shout out to our, our media and production team because every week they do a great job preparing videos and slides and the audio lighting and all that. And a lot of the message things are for Pastor Mike. So like he's like this tall and I'm like this short. So they had to lower everything to my height. Thank you guys. Custom, custom artwork for the short people. For me and Pastor Jordan Smalley, we're the ones that are down here. Uh, <laughs> all right, let's get back to the message. It's, uh, pursue excellence. It's such a worthy value because the God that we serve is such a great God. And he's worthy of our best. How many believe that? Amen. And I remember as a kid, you know, I've already shared my story. I grew up in L.A. As a kid going to church in downtown L.A., our church was off of Main Street and 25th Street. And I remember watching people drop off their furniture, like just, we'd be out. You guys remember Sunday school? Like while the adults were at Sunday school, like kind of sneak out. And we'd be playing in the parking lot and there would be just random furniture and these old office chairs and we'd grab them and we'd just push each other around the parking lot until the wheels fell off and that's why people dropped them off at church. And, you know, and, and by the way, I don't want to get ahead of myself. How many of you did not know that we, we have a donation bin for YAPAC in the back of our building. If you didn't know, would you raise your hand? Oh, that's a lot of people. Hey, so now you know. So instead of going all the way to Goodwill or Salvation Army, we have a bin in the back that you can donate stuff to YAPAC. So that's a cool thing to know. Um, back to my story. The, people would donate all this random furniture. I remember pots and pans and, you know, rinky-dinky tables and all these things. And, you know... I, I was a kid, I don't know what their intent was, if they were really trying to you know, help the church, but if I can encourage you with something, like don't bring your junk, bring your best, give God your best. And I'm not asking you to bring office furniture, we don't need office furniture, but I'm just saying, like in life, in all that you do, you know, bring God your best. Don't just bring him junk. Give him your best worship. Wake up in the morning and put on your best attitude, you know, your best gifts of service. God deserves so much more than our leftovers. Come on, somebody. If you could turn your Bibles to the book of Daniel chapter six, we're going to look at the life of Daniel. If anybody said an ideal example of pursuing excellence, it was this dude. Daniel was incredible. So Daniel chapter 6, verses 1 to 3, it says, Darius the Mede decided to divide the kingdom into 120 provinces, and he appointed a high officer, other translations say governors, to rule over each province. The king also chose Daniel and two others as administrators to supervise the high officers and protect the king's interests. Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers. 
Because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. In just a moment, we're going to dive deeper into Daniel's life. And, but I want to focus on this point real quick that Daniel was able to distinguish himself from the other governors and administrators. They all had the same responsibilities. They, they had to give oversight and account for their regions. But Daniel was different. There was something about him. He was a different kind of man. And that's what we're going to focus on today in just a bit. And I'm sure that we would all agree that as followers of Jesus, as believers, as we're called to make a difference in people's lives, we have to always be in pursuit of excellence. Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 to 16 says, you are the salt of the earth. And notice these letters, these words are in red. This is from Jesus. You are the salt of the earth. But what is good, what is good, but what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is played on, placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all, say for all, to see so that everyone, say everyone, will praise your heavenly Father. Us being the light of the world has nothing to do with us. It has everything to do that everyone can bring, can glorify our God in heaven. Amen. That he be glorified as Christians. We're called to be the light of the world. We're, we can't afford to be this dim lit, almost snuffed out little candle in an ever increasing dark world. Our mandate is to offer hope in a hopeless world, to love deeply in a world filled with hate, to love well in a self-consumed culture. We need to be excellent. We're called to the ministry of excellence. And, you know, we might be okay at management. We might be okay in the financial realm. Maybe you do your taxes on TurboTax and you're like, yeah, I could be a tax accountant, you know. We might be mediocre in education, maybe even average in people skills, but let's dare not be mediocre in the Christian life. We are called as believers, as followers of Jesus Christ to the ministry of excellence, excellent to be excellent in our walk, in our talk, in our being, in our becoming, in every facet of our lives, we're to be excellent. The world is waiting to see excellence in us but not only the world, Jesus is looking for men and women, for teenagers, young adults, kids that would just live with an excellent spirit. Someone said, only mediocre people are always at their best. They never see any room to improve. There's never another bar to reach. They say, I'm never going beyond where I am now. I'm just camped out at mediocre and I'm happy with mediocre. I don't think that's the DNA of the Spirit of God that's in us. I believe the DNA of the Spirit is always urging us forward towards excellence. Excellence isn't about working ourselves to death, but about wisely investing our time, ensuring that our work, what we invest our lives into, is done with intentionality, understanding that the big and even the little things can make an eternal impact in our lives and in the lives of others. There's this story of a young man who aspired to become a lumberjack. Any lumberjacks in the room? No? All right. Just, all right. <laughs> he, 
he was told that he would get paid for every tree that he cut down. And he had never attempted to cut down a tree, but he was young. He had big muscles. He was in shape. He had the flannels. He had everything. He was hooked up. He was ready to go. And so he bought a brand new axe and then he went to work. And the first day he cut down 10 trees. The second day he cut down eight trees. The third day, six, and then four, and then two. Suddenly the young man gets discouraged and he was working himself into the ground and his hands were bloodied and calloused and yet he was only getting worse. And he started to think, maybe this was a mistake. Maybe I shouldn't be doing this. And then he started paying attention to an older, wiser, more experienced lumberjack who cut down nine trees every day. And it never changed, nine trees. So finally, he, he mustered up the courage and he approached this older gentleman and he asked him, hey, sir, can I ask you two questions? First of all, how are you able to cut down the same exact number of trees every single day while I'm cutting fewer and fewer and secondly, how in the world are you able to cut down nine trees when I get to work an hour before you and I'm only getting two or three? The experienced lumberjack, he just looks at the young man and he says, young man, I can answer both of your questions with one simple answer. I don't start my day off cutting trees. I start every day sharpening my ax. I start every day sharpening my ax. Effective Christians know the value of sharpening their ax. They spend time with God, focusing, focusing themselves in prayer and in the word. So when they go out to face the day, they're sharp, they're effective and excellent at what God has called them to. Philippians 3, verse 13 to 14, Paul says, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. Paul said, I am seeking to be the best that I can be in Jesus Christ. Yes, maybe I failed yesterday, but I'm not gonna languish in the ashes of yesterday's defeat. I'm gonna get up and I'm forgetting yesterday's shortcoming and I'm striving for the mark of excellence today. Somebody say today. today. Yesterday is yesterday. Today is a new day. Come on, we're moving forward. Someone say, I'm moving forward. I don't believe for a moment that anyone in this room at Austin P online, that any of us are satisfied with a status quo relationship with Jesus. There is a high calling that has been issued to every heart that believes to, to rise up and come up higher, to go from faith to faith, from glory to glory. Don't remain where you've always been. Get up, get up, press on and step into the calling of God upon your life. Pursue excellence. Always bring God your very best and leave a mark in the world around you. Let's do this real quick. Let's distinguish the difference between excellence and perfection. I think it's important. I've never heard of any one perfect person other than Jesus. But we are striving for perfection, for maturity, to grow in our faith. But the reality is that we will never reach perfection in this life, but we can live in pursuit of it in a healthy way. And that's what we call excellence. So don't confuse perfection with excellence because even as flawed individuals redeemed by the grace of God, we'll never, never be perfect on this side of eternity, but we can always pursue excellence, always bringing our best to the table. 
And so maybe you're asking a pastor, okay, that sounds great. Excellent is awesome. Was that Wayne's World that they said, excellent? I was asking somebody, but everyone in the back, they're like, millennials, it, like, like, who's Wayne? Who's Wayne's World? Bobby's World? What? Um, so you might be asking, like, well, okay, that's great, but, like, what does it have to do with me? Like, why should I even strive for excellence? I can answer that in one question. Because the God we serve is an excellent God. Yes. David, the psalmist, wrote in Psalms 8, verse 1, he says, Oh, Lord, oh, Lord, how excellent is your name. Where? In all the earth. If you spend time reading about the building of the tabernacle in Exodus or Solomon's temple in 1 Kings, you'll notice just there's this is beauty, just so much attention to detail, precision in the instructions and indescribable beauty. No one can ever say that God didn't care about how attractive his workmanship was. If you're sitting next to your spouse, just smirk at them and say, look at me. All you have to do is look at the beauty and intricacy of God's creation our God does all things well. How many believe that? And he's called us to live our lives to the fullest of our ability according to the measure of grace given to us. When it comes to the details, God never fails. Romans chapter 12, if you have your Bibles, if you could turn your Bible to Romans chapter 12, we're gonna read that in just a second. But this could be seen as a passage on excellent living. And this, just understand, this isn't a list of rules, but it's more like instructions on how to live life as children of God in pursuit of excellence. So Romans chapter 12, I'm gonna read verse two and then I'm gonna jump to verse nine all the way to the end. So it says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Verse nine, don't just pretend to love others, Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. Verse 17, never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God, for the scripture says, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. Whoa. But I don't want them at my house. <laughs> if, you're thirst, if, if they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing what? Amen. By doing good. What a powerful scripture. And I encourage you to go back and study Romans 12. Just read all of it. The whole thing is incredible. Um, just read it on your own time in your devotional or maybe even your small group. We spent yesterday in my men's small group just going over Romans chapter 12, and it was incredible. 
just to hear how God just spoke to every single man. Let's get back to Daniel. Daniel, Daniel broke the mold of mediocre living. He excelled in a spiritual and social environment where the majority of his peers were content with the status quo. And when you really look at Daniel's life, it's evident that his fame didn't just happen by chance. It wasn't a coincidence. So as you, if you're taking notes, I want to share these three points with you, these three choices that I believe all of us should want to incorporate this to our daily living because it's significant to excellent living. And we see these things reflected in the life of Daniel, and I believe that it's what led to Daniel's spirit of excellence. And some of us might be better at others, at some of these than others, and, but the truth is that we're all a work in progress. Can you guys say that? Say, I'm a work in progress. All right, so if you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, choose character over comfort. Character over comfort. Daniel chose character over comfort. Here's a man that against his own will was hauled away captive from his homeland into a pagan land, governed by a pagan king who worshiped pagan gods. Yet in a short period of time, Daniel developed a reputation as an honorable and ethical man. His closet was clean. There were no skeletons waiting to jump out and haunt him. Even Daniel's enemies found him trustworthy. Daniel was just straight up. He, he wasn't into the whole pretense scene. Listen, it's, it's easy to forfeit our virtue, especially in a society that fully embraces dishonesty and applauds ethical compromise. We can easily lose our integrity and moral standards in conversations at work, or at school because it seems innocent and casual because we just want to fit in. I don't want to make people feel awkward, so I'll just go along with the flow. The things we watch in private, the emotions we begin to feel for somebody, else's, for somebody else that might not be our spouse because we let our guard down, it seems harmless. But the choice to compromise comes with a price. It seems that every day some public figure is outed for an unthinkable moral or unethical compromise. The Bible says your sins will find you out. Luke 8, 17 says, for all that is secret will eventually be brought into the open and everything that is concealed will be brought to light and made known to all. And I just wanna encourage you, if you might be struggling with any of these things, allow God's word just to heal and restore these areas of your life. When it would have been easier just to go with the flow for the sake of comfort, Daniel chose character over comfort. Second Peter chapter one says, supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence and moral excellence with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with patient endurance and patient endurance with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for everyone the more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. What Peter is highlighting in this scripture is the fact that there is a flip side to being productive and useful. We have the possibility of becoming ineffective and unproductive. If we don't choose moral excellence, if we don't choose to grow in knowledge, if we don't choose to apply self-control to walk with patient endurance, to live godly lives. It's hard to love others the way Pastor Bo taught us last week when we avoid living life with excellence, with moral excellence, when we avoid living life at the standard that God has called us. Our light runs the risk of growing dim. Our witness can lose its power. 
Daniel was a standout, and unlike many of his contemporaries, he chose character over comfort. He had the courage to be different. And I want to ask you a question. What are you choosing in life? Character over comfort or comfort over character? Do you live by what you know is true and right or are you letting the world squeeze you into its mold, shaping and bending your convictions for just momentary satisfaction? It's just a question. Let's choose character over comfort. Point number two, Choose discipline over disorder. And, and I just want to real quick just talk, talk about the word discipline. I know for some people this might be a bad word, you know, because maybe you grew up with real strict parents and you got disciplined a lot. Or maybe, you know, you, you associate discipline with hard work and you just like, man, like I've tried that. And I've tried to go to the gym. I've tried to eat healthy and I just can't do it. And, and it's easy to associate discipline as a negative thing. But the truth is that discipline is the key to excellence. Discipline is the key to excellence. And Daniel excelled because he chose discipline over disorder. Among other things, Daniel had a disciplined prayer life. And I'm finding this to be more and more true that if you can be disciplined in prayer, you can be disciplined in just about anything else. The Bible says three times a day, Daniel got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks, thanks to his God. The reason some people succeed while others fail often has little to do with their abilities. Most of our failures can be traced back to an absence of discipline in our personal lives. Most of our failures can be traced back to an absence of discipline in our personal lives. I think about sports. About a month ago, there was this, this boxing fight, a match, whatever you call it, you know, and my son and I were real excited to watch this. It was a championship match. And so, you know, we're watching the lead up to the fight and in the lead up watching ESPN and other channels, like it was like, you know, they're talking all this smack back and forth, you know, talking trash because that's part of the, the sports getting into each other's head. But what they were showing and displaying was these fighters training and working hard. They were showing them run for miles and working with different trainers and different facilities and all the hard work that went into, you know, this fight before the fight even happened. And what that showed me is that champions aren't made in the ring. Maybe they're recognized there, but they're not made in the ring. Champions are made in the gym. Sweating it out, jumping rope, punching the bag, doing crunches and burpees, running for miles, doing the right things every day. Champions are not made in the ring. They're only displayed in the ring. They're only recognized in the ring. Bishop T.D. Jakes, he says this, and in my head, I hear his voice, but I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> Calm down. I'm not going to try it. <laughs> he says, excellence begins when you give great detail to the little things. Excellence, does, excellence doesn't start when the lights come on. Excellence doesn't start when the crowd gathers. Excellence doesn't come when everybody is watching. Excellence is nurtured in mediocrity. If you can't manage the little things, you'll never be able to manage the big things. If the little things overwhelm you, if you complain and collapse about the little things, you'll never be ready for the greater things God has for your life. Doing the little seemingly insignificant things consistently produces a quality in our lives that will ultimately make a big impact for the kingdom of God. And that was true for Daniel and it will be true for us. Amen. In the summer of 1995, a record was set. 
in the world of sports that had nothing to do with blazing speed or precise accuracy or even great, a great display of muscular power. It was simply an honor given to someone who showed up more than everyone else. Has anyone ever got like a perfect attendance award in school? Anybody? Just, all right, a few hands, good job. That was not me. And this person's name is Cal Ripken Jr. He, he had been the shortstop for the Baltimore Orioles for years, and he broke a record that many people thought would never be broken. It had been set by the legendary Lou Gehrig, the New York Yankees' first baseman. Lou Gehrig had played 2,130 consecutive games before he hung up his glove and called it quits because of a disease that finally took his life. When Cal Ripken Jr. walked onto the field to begin his 2,131st consecutive game, the crowd went wild and they stood to their feet for 22 uninterrupted minutes. They applauded him and people from all over the world tuned in on television to celebrate this great honor. Why? Because discipline is the key to excellence. Cal Ripken Jr. received the reward, this award, simply because he was disciplined enough to be faithful. Say faithful. He was disciplined enough to be faithful to the thing that he had committed himself to. And it's sad and alarming to see the church deteriorate to the standards of the world where God is shoved into a corner and takes second place to our own personal desires and agendas. The scripture makes it plain when it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 that it is required of a steward that one be found faithful. Yet the trend has become for many to say, that, oh, whatever I have left over, I'll, I'll give it to God. It's, you know, it's just for God. In Malachi chapter 1, verse 6, God tells the people of Israel that he has an offense against them. And I can picture their minds racing as they try to figure out what they've done wrong. Like, hey, you know, they, they finally ask for some, some clarification. And, and I'm paraphrasing, obviously. And they ask, what, what, what did we do? Like, what happened? Like, why is he upset? And then Malachi, speaking on God's behalf, says, what did you do? You know the laws about making sacrifices. You know that you ought to choose the very best, most valuable, most prized lamb for, from your flock for your offering to God. Instead, you walk out into your flocks intentionally, overlooking the best sheep in the field and you look for the one that is sick and blind and just kind of leaning against the fence just about to die and thinking this one will do it's just for God anyways then the prophet says to the people and he says this he says this is what God says don't even bother building a fire don't waste your time I don't want the sick blind diseased almost dead lamb it's a mockery to me either bring me the prized lamb or bring me nothing at all. I don't want any more of this so-called worship. God deserves our absolute best in everything, church. Come on. It's a simple concept, but it's difficult to live this out on a daily basis, and that's why discipline is real important. So I want to challenge you. Let's live a disciplined life. And finally, point number three, choose, life, choose love over life. Choose love over life. A new decree had been issued. No one was permitted to pray for the next 30 days to any God other than the, to the king. And anyone, anyone caught doing so would be fed to the lions. 
Daniel's haters were setting a trap, orchestrating a plan that was sure to get rid of this Jehovah worshiper once and for all because they knew, they knew this about Daniel, that he would never stop praying. And it wasn't very long before Daniel actually heard about this new law. Daniel chapter six, verse 10, it says, but when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with its windows open towards Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, just as he always had done, giving thanks to his God. I read this powerful quote earlier this month as I was getting ready for this message. And it says, it says kneeling to pray is what gives you the strength to stand. Kneeling to pray is what gives you the strength to stand. Prayer reminds us that we're not in control and it keeps us close to the one who is. And in this case, Daniel knew who was in control and he was more than willing to lay it all down. The position, the favor, the power. Remember, Daniel was like second in command over the entire empire, but he was willing to lay all of that down in order to remain faithful to his God. And I don't believe that for, I don't believe for a moment he was interested in becoming lunch for Mufasa and Simba and the rest of the lions, you know? But, but when he was faced with this decision, Daniel chose love over his own life. Daniel's first allegiance wasn't to himself, but it was to God, it was to his God. And the truth is that mediocre spirits crumble in crunch time when it gets tough when there's opposition they crumble but excellent spirits stand firm firm in character firm in discipline firm in our love to to the things or to the one who truly matters that's why we've, we've been talking about the scripture philippians 1 7 we've been mentioning this a lot over the last several weeks only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of christ when God reaches into the pit of our own despair and destruction, pulls you, he pulls me out, redeems us with the blood of the lamb, the blood of Jesus. When he transforms our mess of our old lives and gives us a, a, he gives us hope and a future, how can we give God anything less than our very best? We're called to live lives of excellence in a mediocre world. And I don't have time to finish the story of Daniel, but I will say this that God honored Daniel and his life was spared. Daniel was vindicated and at the end, God's name was glorified. I close with this. This week in sermon prep, we started talking about, about wearing a suit. We were inspired by one of our interns who was always looking sharp. And we were talking about how when you wear a suit, like, you know, I guess the dress for the ladies, whatever. Um, not whatever, I'm sorry, forgive me. Makeup, I don't know. When you, when you wear a suit, Something happens, something comes upon you when you're getting ready for a date, when you're getting ready to go to a wedding, when you're getting ready for a, an appointment or a really important interview, job interview, and you put on a suit. Something happens, something comes upon you. Like all of a sudden, you stand a little taller, your stride changes a little bit because excellence doesn't happen by accident. It doesn't happen by accident, you noticed, the three points, the first word in, every th in the three points is we choose character over comfort. Choose discipline over disorder. Choose love over life. When we choose to put on excellence, 
We bring honor to God and inspire others. It's like our light shines brighter and brighter. The choice to live a life of excellence is much greater than just ourselves. It's about honoring God and inspiring others and leading others to become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ, amen? You and I, we are the light and the salt of the world. And the truth is that each of us and every one of us, we get to choose how we will live each day of our lives. And I'm praying that we will all choose to pursue excellence, always bringing our best because God deserves nothing less than our very best. Amen. Amen. Can we bow our heads and close our eyes? I know some of our dream teamers are stepping out to get ready for a transition, but if we can just remain in our seats and I want to challenge you today, if you can hear my voice, to, to take a step forward in the areas, areas of your life where maybe you haven't given God your very best. The one thing or things that you need to address, maybe revisit things that we might need to surrender to God. For accountability purpose, maybe write it down on your worship guide in your Bible, write it down on your phone, tell somebody, tell one of our prayer team members or one of our staff out at the big red wall. But don't let today's message just go in one ear and out the other. Allow it to reveal areas of growth in your life. God is not looking for perfection, but he does deserve that we always bring him our very best. If you've never made a commitment to become a follower of Jesus Christ, I invite you right now to repeat this prayer with me. And the whole church, we're going to say this together. Come on and repeat this after me. Say, God, I believe what I've heard. And I receive the word of God in my life. Let your word continue to work in my life. Let it change me from this day forward. Say, I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe that he died and rescued me from my sin. That he raised from the dead to give me victory. And I believe that today, hope has entered my story. I accept your free gift of salvation. Come on, everyone, let's say this together. Say, God, I'm all in. I'm all yours. With you, Jesus, I can do all things. Help me live a life in pursuit of excellence for your glory. Holy Spirit, lead me and empower me to choose excellence over the comforts of life. In the mighty name of Jesus. And the church said, amen. Amen. Come on. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to our message. My prayer for you is that you've been inspired and challenged by the message and also moved in your devotion to Jesus. If you'd like to grow in your walk with Jesus Christ, stay connected or even partner with us through generosity, please be sure to visit our website at lifepointchurch.tv. We hope you have a blessed week and we will see you next Sunday.